Hello and welcome to BizQuick. I'm Corey. And I'm Julie. And today we have Ann Laguza of The Works Consulting. She's out of Long Beach, California. Welcome, Ann. That's right. You're listening to BizQuick. This is where Julie and Corey provide quick and useful information to small business owners. BizQuick is the podcast where small business owners get to showcase their businesses and receive expert advice and guidance in areas many entrepreneurs struggle with. And you, the listener, get solutions, tips, and tricks on real-world topics that many small business owners face. Julie and Corey are the experts small businesses hire when they need solutions. And the BizQuick podcast is just one way they deliver those solutions. Let's start the show. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. It's really nice to have you. Thanks for Thank taking the time. Absolutely. I'm very excited. Yeah, so are we. Um, this is one of our um, favorite topics and I think something that a lot of small business owners um, need more information on. So this should be really helpful. And with that, tell us what exactly the Works Consulting is and why you started this business. So the Works Consulting provides human resources consulting and leadership development services. And I started the business um, 19 years ago, uh, really honestly, just because I wanted to be self-employed is a true story. I just, I thought that I'd sort of worked in-house for 10 years in, in manager and director of human resources and training roles. Um, I changed jobs about every two years. And so I think that I forever wanted to be a consultant. But what I enjoyed the most about those opportunities is I was brought in to um, build up HR departments, um, you know, maybe basically turn around situations and then, um, and then move on and do something else. So that aspect of it, I really loved. And I thought that kind of matched perfectly with consulting. So, um, yeah, so I got my business started to try to reach out and help as many people as I possibly could. Nice. What's the most common misconception that people have about HR? Okay, so really nobody likes HR. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> true. That's true. <laughs> nobody likes HR. Uh, and you know what? I, I'm, I'll be perfectly honest with you guys, rightfully so. I think there are a lot of HR people that are um, really feel like they have to say no and they fight and they don't understand that they need to fit into the business. So of course, they have to help a, a business be compliant. And of course, there's rules and laws and all that. But there's plenty of ways to do that in and be in alignment with how a business wants to operate. So that, that's like a big piece of what I think I've been able to do in my career differently is that I understand it's a business first and then HR has got to work in that business rather than it being um, all about just yes, no, yes, no. You know, one of the most valuable things somebody told me early on in my career is your answer is always yes. So can I terminate this, can I terminate this employee? Yes. Can I, you know, can I reorganize my department? Yes. Whatever the answer is, it's always yes. So you all, so you're, so people aren't coming to you and hearing no all the time, then you educate them on what that yes means. So can I terminate this employee? You know, I haven't written them up. They have no idea it's coming. They've worked for me for 10 years. Yes, you absolutely can. Let's look at some of the risk that might be involved if you do that. And let's look at the, how we can reduce risks if we maybe put these steps into place instead. And that was a super valuable piece of advice because it put me, got me out of that. No, you can't, no, you can't, no, you can't which is what I think everybody thinks HR does, is just says no, and then they start circumventing HR so they don't have to go work with them anymore. Yeah, and I, 
we've definitely had plenty of experience with people circumventing HR and just terrible HR experiences. And I'm sure everybody on, on listening to this pod has as well. Can you go back and, and give us an example of how you uh, like kind of integrate HR into the company? You said that, you know, there's many ways to, to be a part of the business. Yeah. I mean, first is I'm always, I always have understood that the business is the priority and people have to, you know, be profitable and successful and all of that. I don't want it to be at the expense of employees, which is kind of where my leadership development side comes in because I really spend a lot of time teaching leaders how to treat their teams better so that they are more productive. Um, but I think you have to understand the business. You have to try to look at, okay, I have rules. And there, I mean, the one thing about HR is that they, there are these clear rules that you have to follow, but how do I fit those rules into the, into the business that we're doing, I guess. So it's sort of taking, I guess it's taking each situation and saying, what's our end goal? And then sort of backing into it. So again, I mean, you know, if we're trying to reorganize a department and we're having some issues here and there, how do we back into that knowing that these are the laws and these are kind of what we have to do. And then, you know, in all honesty, and I just coached an HR person on this the other day is sometimes I've said, you know, your job is to inform. Your job isn't to hold the line every single day. And, and leaders are going to make decisions that are not in alignment with what you're recommending. You're, I mean, for me, my goal was always to get leaders listening to me, you know, 80 to 90% of the time, because that's a huge win, right? If they're feeling that comfortable with the advice I'm giving and they're coming to me for that, I know that's great. But so many HR professionals get stuck in the no and the resistance and, um, and thinking that it's like their job to like, if they do this, you know, it's going to be da da da. It's like your job is to inform and let people make a decision. What's the correlation between a good leader and HR? Oh, that's a good question. Well, I believe that if you're a good leader, the HR sort of compliance rules sort of fall much lower on the scale because you're probably not even, you're just not even battling that because you're dealing with, you're being, trying to be a good leader. You're trying to engage your employees. You're listening to them. You know, you're really being active in their role. And it's funny how those little uh, other issues sort of aren't even a problem anymore because you're, if you're, if you're general, you know, it's so funny. I share the, I share the story a lot, but I have a leader that I work with who he's just such a good leader and I'm going to tell you, there are times when he hasn't exactly done what the law should have been because he didn't know, but because he was really coming from this place of trying to do the right thing, I think it's how it, it worked out really well for him. Now we corrected that um, in California in particular, we're really strict on laws, so we have to make sure he's following those. But, but I think that says a lot about him and about the fact that it, if you're trying to do the right thing, most of those other issues become non-issues. And I think that's where my business really transitioned in the last five years is it was like, you know, compliance is important, but it's really not the most important thing. The most important thing is how we're treating our employees and trying to get the best out of them every single day. That's, sorry, I was just going to say that's a really, um, that's a great um, correlation to be able to identify what strong leaders do for an organization and with respect to HR. Yeah. I was going to say the exact same thing. Um, just joking. <laughs> um, so if you're dealing with leaders who like let's say you know that like you give them advice they're going to make the decision that you don't want them to make are you out there making like contingency plans or mitigation strategies or anything because you know that something's going to happen down the line yeah i mean definitely so 
So for anybody who's kind of in, 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 in a human resources role, I mean, and as a consultant, I do this also, but there's always someone who needs to know that maybe like the ship's headed in the wrong direction, right? So whoever that is. And um, that's why it's interesting. I know you guys work with a lot of the smaller businesses, but at, when people start to grow and add in someone who's handling the human resources function, even if that's not a full-time person, I always want that person to report to the top leader of the company, the CEO, the president, whoever it is. And the reason is because in those moments where it's like, okay, everything's going exactly opposite of what I'm recommending, or I don't think this is a good idea. They're able without, you know, any worry about repercussion or going around their supervisor to go straight to the top person. And sometimes it's that person. I mean, I worked with a, a company, it was family owned. We had 600 employees and, you know, my president didn't always agree with me. Um, but I had at least informed him and done what I needed to do. So that's where, and at the end of the day, what I always say to people, if you have to make your, for you, at some point, you're going to have to assess if that's a match for you. If you're continuing to advise and no one's listening to you, one, you have to look at yourself. Are you advising in a way that they can hear you? And then if you really feel you are, and they're still not listening to you, then maybe that's not the organization for you. Interesting. Um, and I guess I never, I never really thought about that the um, HR person could greatly benefit from reporting straight to the top. Um, when you're talking about smaller businesses, right? So you yes. are a small business. Yes. I want to get into, you know, some moments that you've had as a small business and what, you know, sort of your, more of your story. But before we go in that direction, I wanted to ask you, when is it appropriate for a small business to seek a cons an HR consultant. Consultant. Like, That's a great yeah. question. I mean, you you know, you can seek obviously at any time, but usually it seems like about 10 people is a good time. I also like to joke about, it's like when you stopped being able to hire your friends and family and you hire the first person who's not related to you or been your best friend since high school. Um, a lot of times that's the time too, but usually about 10 people seems reasonable. I do have some clients who are smaller than that, um, you know, three to five people. And it, it often is because they just have, it's not usually, you know, um, a situation where you need to be in there all the time, but it's something has come up and they need some help getting through some things. And also, of course, you know, being where I do a lot of my HR works in California, there are a lot of crazy laws that come out here. So people who are much smaller need help sooner because they're trying to navigate a lot of things that they don't understand. But I would say under normal circumstances, it seems like, you know, 10, you want to start thinking about, I probably could use somebody else's eyes on this occasionally to take a look at what we're doing. And what, what does that look like exactly for those? Like when you initially start working for somebody, is it just kind of like um, you're on retainer, you, you know, you give them 10 hours a, a month or, you know, what does that look like? So usually I start with what's called a human resources audit and we assess all their HR operations from top to bottom. And I start all the way at the beginning of how do you bring people into the company you know, how do you pay them? How do you manage their performance? How do you train them? How do you keep morale up? And then all the way to how do you move them out of the company? And then that gives us like a really good roadmap for sort of what's going well, where could you improve, you know, and where can I support you best at that time? And for me, I prioritize that in terms of what's sort of urgent and what's best practice. Cause there are things, sometimes people are doing great, but it's like, oh my gosh, you've got this down. This is great. You know what you could do to make it even better. And then I help them prioritize that so they can determine what do I need to do right now? What maybe it could be in six months? What's maybe a year down the road? 
Um, but that's usually where I start. And then we decide from that point how it works. If it's a certain hours a month, certain hours per month that they need me, or if it's just sort of a project base or as needed. Okay. Let's shift gears just a little okay. bit and um, talk about you as a small business, right? And yeah. what, tell us like about, you know, your biggest struggle as a small business owner or that biggest, that big lesson learned. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I always feel like I have two, but I'm going to go with the one. So around um, 2007 and 2008, when everything sort of crashed in the world and the economy was terrible. Um, so I started my business in 2001 and I had done pretty well. I found this really big client during that time though. I think I ended up working with them for three years and it was supposed to be just a few months assignment. And they took, they kept taking more and more of my hours, more and more of my time. So I gave them probably 80 to 90% of my business. So really, if I'm being honest, looking back, felt like less of a business owner at that point and more of an employee really, but you know, as a consultant, but you know what? I was still relatively new in my business. I was about six years in. Um, it felt great, you know, making great money. They loved me. I loved the work. I got to do everything. I got to do human resources. I got to um, facilitate workshops for their leaders. I got to do coaching. So I was doing everything I wanted to do. And I had the freedom um, that, I, that I wanted to have. So they, um, I, th they brought me in to a meeting. I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll never forget this meeting. And they said, well, we have to tell you that we're ending your contract immediately. And not only are we ending your contract immediately, but we cannot pay you anything that we owe you up to this point. Ouch. And I was like, what? I mean, I even just got chills right now. I mean, I was like, whoa. Um, and I, as a small business owner, you know, I'm having a good time thinking this is really good. I didn't have any employees at that time. I had let them get behind in billing. So they owed me quite a bit of money. And I remember I just sort of, I came home that day and I was thinking, holy smokes, what am I going to do? Right? Like, what am I going to do? Like, I just sort of lost everything in one day. And you know, you have that feeling of like, I almost started having that feeling of like, how could I save it? Like, maybe I could do this and maybe I could do that. But they were literally like, we're in trouble. Like we are in financial trouble and we are cutting everywhere we can. And you know, what's also just, um, about the story that I have to tell you is I had sat in on many meetings where they were cutting staff and cutting staff because they were going through such tough times, but no one ever said a word like, oh, and by the way, as soon as you're done helping us with all this, we're getting rid of you. So um, I still remember that day. And it's so funny now that we're all back working from home. I, came, I, had a, I have a home office and I came into my home office again and kind of sat here and went, huh, like, I literally remember I picked up my phone, made sure my phone worked. And I was like, what am I going to do? Like, I have no idea what I'm going to do. So financially, fortunately, I had always been really good at saving. So although it was scary, it wasn't like I had, you know, tons of money coming in. I knew I'm like, okay, I'm going to be okay for a few months, but literally what am I going to do right now? Um, so I just started, you know, I had a few little random clients. I reached out to them, but um, I reached out to an attorney that I had done a lot of work for before and was kind of like, hey, I'm available again. You know, is there anything you have for me? And then um, two really important things happened that forever changed my career at that moment. One was I had met a uh, HR professional who also facilitated workshops at the beginning of my business in 2001. And he called me and said, hey, um, there's a university here called Cal State Dominguez and we have an HR certificate program, you do it at night. And um, I was just wondering, we need a new instructor. So I was wondering if you'd like to come instruct. And this is my favorite part about that conversation. He goes, 
it doesn't pay a lot of money, but it's great. You know, it keeps you fresh on your skills and you keep facilitating, you get to meet great people. And I'm thinking, who cares how much money it pays? Like, I'll take anything right now. I don't have any money coming in. So I got that gig, which I ended up doing for seven years. I taught um, uh, adults basically three times a week for seven years. It was an amazing, amazing opportunity. And then the other thing that happened is one of my former clients called me within about a week of that phone call and said, we had to terminate our HR professional. And we're wondering if you could help us, one, get this mess organized and then tell us, you know, what we need going forward, how we, who we should hire, all of that. And I was like, absolutely. So I started, they were in Sonoma. So I started flying up to Sonoma County, which is in Northern California, um, every single week. And I would do, I'd go for a couple of days and just sort everything out. So in the, those two things were what I needed to like push me over the hump. And then I just, I had to rebuild my business. So basically I started my business in 2001 with nothing and I had to rebuild it all over again in 2007, basically with nothing. I mean, fortunately I'd done a little bit of work obviously, and I'd made some impressions on people, thank goodness, but it was terrible. I was so nervous. Yeah, I probably a lot of small business owners can relate to that. Uh, a couple of things that I want to just mention first, so important that, you know, you're constantly building relationships and planting those seeds because some things just take years to grow, but the relationship part of being a small business owner is so important and you just never know when things are going to come back to you. So it's just really important to always be, you know, a good representative, good representative of your business. The second thing is, I want to point out that they teach in like seventh grade English, this concept called foreshadowing. And like, perhaps there was a lot of it going on for you in that yeah. with that client, but wow, I'm glad that you were able to turn it around and everything was okay. I mean, me too. And I'm with you. You know, it's funny that you say that about, you just always, I just uh, was coaching a small business owner yesterday and he's like brand new. He's all by himself. And I said, Hey, you know, what's going on with your marketing? And he's like, well, you know, I'm doing really well. I don't really feel like I need to market yet. And I'm like, Oh, oh hold on. <laughs> like I would rather have people calling you right now and you saying, gosh, my list is full, but I'll, you know, I'll put you on the waiting list. Then uh, I'll just start marketing today because my clients dropped off. I'm like, that's going to be way harder. So I agree. I feel like you just never know who you run into in the grocery store at parties. I mean, you just never know. So you always want to be connecting with people as best as you can. Mm -hmm. We wanted to take a quick break to tell you more about SB Pace, the small business consulting company that makes this podcast possible. SB Pace, which stands for Small Business Planning, Advising, Coaching, Expertise, focuses solely on helping small businesses and entrepreneurs. Are you looking to start a small business of your own? SB Pace can get you up and running with a solid foundation that's built to last. Are you an existing small business in a slump or just looking for ways to improve what you do? We can help with that. Are you ready to take your business to the next level? SB Pace is the partner you need. You can find out more about SB Pace and what we have to offer by visiting our website, sbpace.com. And I want to get into uh, current events and without getting too political or anything, but we live in a, in a world now where everything offends everyone and you know, you can probably place wagers on the next executive who's going to get fired for making the comment. Um, what, what, like, what are your suggestions for small businesses and how to avoid that? And, you know, when they should defend their employees or when they should fire them for, you know, making a, a, a bad comment or something like that? I know. Well, okay. So, I mean, I think first, I do really think people need to be honest about uh, are there practices really 
and I want to say discriminatory intentionally, but unintentionally. Sometimes people really are not intending to do that, but they say and do things that are not in the world we're in today are going to be taken much differently. And, and employees really are taking a lot of matters into their own hands. I've seen more letters written by employees in the last month. Um, making demands on what management does. And these aren't all big companies. One's pretty small. Um, both of them actually that I'm thinking of right now are smaller companies. So um, I think one, you just got to kind of be honest and say, okay, what are my real beliefs and, and how am I navigating that in this world that may not be so um, okay with what I'm thinking or how I'm feeling. But then I think that in terms of managing your team, I, I always think, you know, one, you got to, you got to, set values of your and your expectations for how you want people to behave in your company because whether it's employees or clients or anybody you should have some expectation of how they should perform and behave and um that's again that's your call how that works but and then you want to hold people to that standard and then i think that's that's how you I, so when anytime i get i mean in in when i was in-house for sure i had lots of opportunities to look into claims of discrimination or harassment. And I think you've just got to take it, each situation as it is and really try to identify what happened and then make the best decision possible based on that scenario. It's hard for me to give like a, a blanket answer because it could be so many different things someone's doing, right? And how long they've been with you? Is this the first time they've ever done it? Have you been clear on your expectations on how they should talk? But you know, I don't want people, I don't want people uh, saying anything to my customers or my clients either that I wouldn't want them you know, I like, I'm really, I guess what I'm thinking is I'm really a, like a firm believer. Like when we write emails in my company, I'm always like, don't write an email that you wouldn't want anybody to see because you know, it's going to take that one time. We're going to accidentally forward it out right <laughs> to, the, to the client. We're going to hit reply all or something. Um, so I'm really like, you know, let's all behave the way we want to be. We want, we wouldn't care if somebody opened the door right now and a client, whoever, and walked in, we would all be acting the way we wouldn't be embarrassed by what we're saying. And I just feel like that maybe is sort of the standard uh, small business owners want to look at. When you say employees writing demand, letters of demand, what, what can you, can you talk more <laughs> about that? <laughs> Well, I mean, they're definitely not putting up with bad management and they're calling leaders out quicker, I think, that are um, not treating people, whether, whether it even be, it doesn't necessarily need to be consistently, but just like not treating them well. Like maybe they're taking anger out on them too much or they aren't giving them opportunities to learn or they aren't listening to them. And then they are writing demands to whoever the top position is in terms of you need to do something about this person because they're out of control or you're not, it doesn't appear that you're taking any action because we don't see anything and we're going to take matters into our own hands if you don't. So it's sort of like the tolerance for bad treatment is starting to get, I guess it would be lower tolerance for bad treatment and employees are starting to speak out. Do you think? I don't, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. You know what I mean? I, I get it when it gets way overboard, but I, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. I want, I want there to be so much more dialogue in the workplace between leaders and employees so we can have a better working relationship. And, and that's what I was going to ask. Like, do you think that it's the, they're just resorting to the nuclear option without, you know, coming to the table just to talk? Because, you know, if, if people, you know, if, if they've gone, the employees have gone through, they have a bad manager, you know, that's totally understandable. They've gone through the steps to say, hey, we think, that then yes totally agree with that but like i also feel like right now a lot of people will just go immediately to we need to fire this person yep yeah 
So the, here's kind of my thought on that, which I, I can't honestly say I've proven yet. But when I when I see that somebody, uh, people, employees, whoever, bypass whatever system you have or process you have, what it says to me is that they there's something else broken there. So either they've tried the process and they don't think it works. And sometimes that's a perception. I work a lot with my clients on remembering to wrap back up with people after they make any kind of complaint. Um, or so it's either a perception um, that there's a breakdown or they actually have experience that they that things are breaking down. So sometimes in those situations, I want my leaders to kind of look at themselves first and really find out have they honestly been doing what they should be doing as well. Because I, I usually feel like anytime any for any situation, a system, a process gets circumvented by an employee. I'm always wondering why did they do that? Like, what was the, there usually is something that caused it. Either they were afraid to go to the person they should have gone to, or they tried to go to that person before and they're not taking it seriously or whatever the issue might be. Yeah. So that's, I mean, I think it, I, I always want to look deeper. It's just like anytime someone tells me they have, you know, they have this employee who their attendance is really bad and they're, you know, they're, they're kind of so focused on this attendance thing. And I'm like, tell me about their performance in the workplace. And it's like, yeah, attendance is important, whether they're reliable or not, but tell me about their day-to-day -day performance. Because usually where there's little issues, there's other stuff going on, right? It's not, it doesn't usually, like, I'll give you another example. I had a client who was telling me they're rewriting a policy. They're a small business, five employees, rewriting a policy because of one employee last year, you know, sort of found a loophole in the policy. And that they, instead of sort of stepping up, in my opinion, and just saying, listen, okay, fine, maybe there's this loophole in the policy, but we're going to clear it up. And we, this is, this is what we're going to have you do regardless. Um, now they're rewriting a policy to try to manage the loophole. But all that kept going through in my mind is you have an employee who found that kind of loophole that made you so mad. They're still working for you. And now you're rewriting a policy for four other people because of one person. So that's, I'm guessing that employee, I bet is not that great of an employee. Now I know that they would probably argue with me on that. They would say, well, they're good at this or they're good at this. And I'm like, but if they already found a loophole, like they're already causing you that kind of grief, that to me says there's probably something else there. Well, and it's, it's funny you mentioned that just because I'm sure we've all worked for a company where you're looking at like the handbook and you're like, why is this rule in here? And I guarantee you, it goes back to one employee, however many years ago, you know? Yes. Yes. And that, I mean, that is exactly, it's like leaders sometimes feel like they've got to rely on a policy for their power. And that, that is like one of my missions is like, I want you to, and I use the word power intentionally. It's like, I want you to have your power and it doesn't mean power to like hang over employees and boss them around, but it's like, get like, be able to talk and be able to speak up and be able to say, okay, yeah, that policy is not written down, but this is what we're doing. Or yeah, it's so, um, it's so fascinating to me how they just this struggle with conversation is it's like the biggest challenge that a leader just kind of doesn't feel authoritative enough, or I don't even know if that's the right word. Maybe just, I'm going to say confident enough to just have that conversation with the employee. Yeah. There was a, that's a clear example of solving the wrong problem, right? Yeah. Clearly solving the wrong problem. Um, I, this, this may not be, I don't know, this might not land well with anybody who listens to our podcast, who is actually an HR professional, but okay. Why does it feel like the HR people are always the ones that get drunk at the team dinners and gossip the most and are the most catty? Like what, like, is it just my experience or, or do y'all have that same experience? 
Okay, well, I'm going to tell you what I think, but I don't know if this is true. So I was never that person, but I will tell you that I started, so my HR career started my second job out of college. And I not only had an amazing regional manager for a mentor, but there's this other woman that worked in another department. Her name was Liz. And man, Liz got me set up right in my career. I didn't like a word she had to say to me. And I thought she was crazy, but she was right. So, um, plus she was like, you know, at that time she was so old. She was 40, right? She was so old. How, what does <laughs> that Liz is, know? That's ancient. That's ancient. Yeah, Liz is 40. <laughs> uh, but she knew a lot. So, okay. So what I think is, and, and it's funny because in my Cal State Dominguez uh, um, classes that I would teach, one of the very first nights I would say, how many of you are in HR because you like people? And, you know, most people would raise their hand and I would say, get out of HR because that, that is not what this job is. It's not like, oh, we get to be friends and we get to do that. HR is one of the loneliest professions. If you're good at it, it is one of the loneliest professions because it's very difficult to be friends with people in the company because you have access to all kinds of information. Sometimes you know when someone's getting fired tomorrow and you know that tonight they're going to buy a car and you can't go tell them not to buy a car you know you know all types of things and i feel like sometimes people are not they're not ready for that so they they end up not being prepared for what that feels like and so they don't handle the situation well and then they are they're gossiping they drink too much you know things like that yeah, yeah. And, I, and it doesn't mean that you can't i mean you can be well liked but really i mean i would say honestly when i was in house in terms of friends with employees i didn't i wouldn't say anybody was my friend i would say i liked them they trusted me my goal was always that they trusted me and they felt confident that i would do something that i would help them out of the situation they were in for leaders employees all of them that was my goal um you know did i get invited to any baby showers not really <laughs> <laughs> but it's not, it's so funny. It's not, I didn't get, I get, got into it just because it was a great opportunity to get me out of what I was doing at the time. And then I ended up really loving it and seeing what I could do. But a lot of people get into it because they think it's going to be this great time to be friends and get to hang out with people and get to know people better. And I'm like, oh goodness. Right. Like HR, <laughs> HR and baby showers are, um, they kind of go hand in hand, I feel like in most companies. And um, Corey and I once consulted for a company where, um, an employee was, um, she was pregnant and we asked if there was going to be a baby shower for the employee. And they're like, yeah, we, we, well, we can't, we can't do that because, you know, 18 months ago, Brian's wife was pregnant and we didn't give Brian a baby shower. So we can't do it for this employee either. And I'm like, what? <laughs> okay. Okay. Strange policy, but sure. Whatever. <laughs> And it also sounds like you you just called all of uh, Julie's past HR people uh, bad at their job. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Listen, that's, I, I will say this, this, the one thing that kept going through my mind when you were talking about, you know, if you want to be liked, like it's a lonely profession and you know somebody's going to be fired and you can't say anything, you know, they're going to buy a new car tonight. There was a time in, you know, my career where I was terminated. I like to call it friendly fired. They called it late, you know, laid off. I, I, whatever you call it whatever you want. But the most humiliating part of that experience for me was that I had a ton of friends in that company and over half of them knew before I did that I was losing my job. Wow. And because the HR person could not keep her mouth shut. And it was a, wow. it was, it was a really, it was hard for me to get past that. And I wasn't mad at the people because they didn't tip me off. I was embarrassed that everybody knew something about me before I knew it. And it was yeah. just, 
it was, it was a, it was a tough experience for me. It's and so, and I hear a lot of stories like that. And it's funny. I mean, I still, it's like one of those take it to my grave kind of thing. I still know information on people, people I still interact with today that nobody knows I know. Um, but that's just a, to me that, and that and it really, that was imposed on me like in very early in my career. And I just take it really seriously. I feel like that's my job, but it makes it very lonely and hard because it's not like you can really talk to people. I mean, you can go, if you have a significant other at home, obviously you can go home and kind of voice that, but really in terms of your, it makes it hard when it comes to being at work and you don't really have somebody, oh, I just got to vent about this, you know? And it's not like that. And that, that has been for me in small companies, big companies, it doesn't matter the size. I mean, I've just kept that always. Well, that makes you exceptional at HR. And with oh. that, I think we have to wrap up, but this has been really, okay. really good. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Um, tell our listeners how they can find you. So please find me on Instagram and LinkedIn at Ann Laguza. And I'm also um, on Facebook at The Works HR, and I post regularly. And I also, Julie, I think you might know this, but I have an Alexa skill now, which is a Hey Ann Alexa skill. So you download Hey Ann, you tell her to open Hey Ann every day, and she's going to give you a brand new leadership tip every single day. That's fantastic. I love it. Yeah, well, thanks again. And uh, hopefully we can get you back on the show sometime. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. You can connect with us on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and the Twitter. You can also reach us on our websites, svpace.com and bizquickpodcast.com. And while you're out there on the internet, uh, subscribe to this pod and let us know what you think. Like us and give us a review as well, because that helps us make this podcast better. Yes, please give us a review. And if there's any topics you're interested in hearing about, reach out to us and let us know, and we will find an expert and get that person on the show. Oh, hey, we wrote a book. It's called Seriously. Now what? A Small Business Guide to Disaster Preparedness. And you can find that book on Amazon or link to it directly through our website. And guess what? It has a companion workbook. So that's it for the pod today. I'm Corey. And I'm Julie. And this was BizQuick, helping small businesses across America.